Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. So when we get an impression from God, when we feel God leading us to do something or saying something to us, how do, how do you know that's from God? How do you know it's from God and not just something you made up in your own mind or even from something else or just the pizza you ate last night? How do you know it's from God? That's what we're going to talk about today in week three of a four-week series on how to amplify God's voice in our life. If you're new with us today, we just take uh, certain segments of our year, certain seasons in our year, and uh, the whole church focuses on one thing. It's very powerful that we're all aligned, focusing on the same thing in those seasons. And this is a season where we're just giving God our first. We're giving him the first part of our year. And uh, we're doing a series like this. We're doing prayer and fasting. We have prayer services Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., Saturday at 9 a.m. Got about 100 people showing up every day. Uh, to pray uh, for a daily prayer emphasis, pray through an outline. We give lots of resources and tools uh, to make that happen. So we'd love to have you uh, for uh, one of those if you want to check one of those out. And we're going into our third week. Remember in the parable of the soils, it's the perseverance that produces a crop and we're going to keep persevering. Uh, So we have these seasons where we align as a church and so our weekend services these prayer services, Uh, we even have some small groups meeting, Um, people that get, maybe they can't come to a prayer service, but they're taking a time out every day um, to to pray and to pray over the emphasis and to open up scripture and uh, the kids are in on it too, so at Rockbrook for Kids, they've even printed up some really cool prayer guides, they're really, uh, really amazing and they're doing a series on prayer uh, next door uh, for the kids, it's so cool, so neat, I just... This, this week, Pastor Don was praying for uh, students and kids in our community, and I just became overwhelmed with gratitude for what, what God is doing in this church and the kids that we have in our church. You know, in 2018, celebrate this with me now, we had on average 235 kids at a weekend service each weekend. Hello? That is awesome. That is amazing. Uh, the Rockbrook, I mean, I'm just so thankful for the team. You don't do that without an amazing team. The Rockbrook for Kids Dream Team, we call them, pouring into the next generation. And you just don't do that without a lot of people pitching in, helping in a variety of ways. And I can't think of a more rewarding thing to be a part of. In fact, if I didn't have to be in front of you right now doing this, I would be next door helping in some way, whatever way I can. And uh, I just want to invite you, I mean, obviously with that many kids, it takes a lot of people. The team's doing a great job, but we could, we could use some help. Uh, there's some areas that you could step in and really make a difference uh, from teaching and helping to, to checking a kid in and, and reg- you know, registering, greeting them, checking them and making sure they're safe and, and that they feel welcome to even just setting up a room. I'm just giving you an invitation today to, to be part of a movement I believe that's happening in our students, our youth, our young people, our kids in this church and in this community uh, so if, if you want more information on that, we could use help on Saturday nights um, specifically or Monday night, the Rockbrook for Kids small groups. Again, anything from, from helping with children to, to setting up or tearing down or things like that. If you want more information 
on how you could help with that, just put that on your communication card. Just say, Ryland, just, I just want more information on that. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but just let me know, let me know more or see if there's an opportunity. And um, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rockbrook, for being a church that wants to reach families, that wants to reach the families of, of this area. Let's go to our theme verse for this series Jesus is speaking in, in pictures and metaphors, and in here he likens himself to a shepherd and the people who follow him sheep. And in John 10, he says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, what do they do? They listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they what? They know his voice but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a what? A stranger's voice. What I, want to ca- what, you, what I want you to catch from this today is that other people are speaking to. There's other shepherds speaking to. There's other voices. In week one of this series, uh, did the illustration of whitewater rafting and you're in a raft and you have a guide but there's other rafts and other guides and there's other paths and other things and you've got to listen to your guide your voice in in week two pastor kelly taught us what kinds of things god is saying so that we know it's from him that sermon had a lot of traction a lot of feedback i mean just so so much i thought one of the game-changing things of that message was the fans responding to not what they see on the field but what they were listening to I thought about that every day this week i just I know what I'm seeing around me I know what you're doing I know what's on the news but I am responding I'm listening to something else but hey how do you know what you're listening to is really from God how do you know it's from God and not just something you're making up on your own or something that someone else made up or or even another thing how do we know what we're hearing is from God and even the best of us are going to get this wrong sometimes. I think of Peter, who Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you think I am? And Peter stands up and says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. And Jesus says, Peter, you wouldn't have known that on your own. God revealed it to you. And then in the very next scene, a few minutes later, Jesus is saying that because he's the Messiah, he's going to have to go to the cross and die. And Peter says, no, Lord, you'll never die. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. What you're saying isn't coming from God. It's from, it's from just your own point of view. And that's how quickly we can get it wrong. Even the best of us, that we can get it right and then get it wrong. And it's difficult sometimes. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? We need the beauty of this verse, 1 John 4, 1, where it says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. So don't, just every prompting you get, every, everything that you feel, every leading that you have, okay, don't, don't trust it just because you had one, but test the spirits. Notice that it's now plural. Spirits is now plural because the Holy Spirit's speaking. There's other spirits speaking, okay? There's other things talking too. Test them to see whether they are from God. So there's gonna be certain feelings and impressions that are gonna lead you one way, but you've gotta test it. And it's gonna feel good because we even say, how could something that feels so right be so wrong? You ever thought that? Have you ever felt it? Because it's gonna feel one way. The Bible talks about that, Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that appears right 
but in the end, it leads to death. Another translation of that verse could be, there's things that feel good, but they'll kill you. They, they, they seem right, they feel right, but they're out to destroy you. So we need a test, we need a filter. And I wanna give you four ways you can, inte- you can test a whisper, an a impression, a prompting. Um, this, this first one, uh, it's, it's number one. It's, it's probably the best one, but it's, it's best if you use all four. But here's number one, is that is, does it line up with the Bible? God's voice will never contradict God's word. God's will will never contradict God's word. He's never gonna tell you to violate scripture. So he's, not, he's never gonna put one thing in here and then tell you something different. He's not gonna contradict himself that way. For instance, in the book of Romans, it says, just as a matter of conscience, you should pay your taxes. Bible says, pay your taxes. So as we head into tax season, if you feel led to not pay your taxes or cheat on your taxes, God says, you didn't get that from me. That didn't come from me. I'll give you another example. And before we go into this one, I'm not picking on this example today. And if you'll just hang with me, you'll see how it fits here. You'll see what's going on. Matthew 19, three through six. Some Pharisees came to him, to Jesus, to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus doesn't even answer the question. He says, haven't you read? Haven't you read? And then he goes on to quote the book of Genesis. He quotes the Bible. He's saying, why are you asking my opinion when I've already given it? It's already been written. This is how I answer certain people who ask me questions on on certain things. They'll say, Ryland, what's your take on fill in the blank? And because there's just a lot of things that our culture used to call sin that we don't call sin anymore and they'll want my take on it. And I'm like, what? I'm not that in love with my opinion. Why are you asking? It is written. Haven't you read? That's already, like God is who decides what's right and wrong and he's already spoken on that issue. That's what makes him God and I'm following him. And the context, the context of this verse is divorce. And of course, obviously I agree with what Jesus says here, but I'm not picking on that today. God does not hate divorced people. He hates divorce. Well, you, get, you do too. We all hate it. God hates anything that hurts us and harms us. God has a hope and a future for us. And he hates anything like that that harms us. And if you've gone through the tragedy of this, I want you to know that God's word also says that God can redeem and heal anything. And he loves you and he can redeem anything. Can I get a better amen, somebody? Amen. Just understand that. Clearly in Luke 21, 33, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That is amazing. Like there's gonna have to be a new earth. There's gonna be a new heaven, but God's word will still stand. Now, what you can do with the Bible, though, when it comes to this test is you could take one verse out of context and get it to say whatever you want it to say. That This is, in theology, uh, they teach you to bring in the whole counsel of God. Because you could take one verse and really distort something or, or, or get, it, get it to say something that it's not saying. So the whole counsel of God, you're going to bring in everything you can that God said on that subject and then see what he's saying, not just pluck one verse. This is why in our messages and why we encourage you use, to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. That, that get, get some more counsel of God in on that. 
Because you could take one verse and have it mean anything. Uh, For instance, I'll just give you an example. I'll just give you a funny example, okay? It's meant to be funny. But I I could make a case, a biblical case, that preachers will not make it into heaven. Because in the book of Revelation, it says that after they open the scroll, there's about 30 minutes of silence. And ain't no preacher gonna be quiet for, let, let it be quiet for 30 minutes. I don't know a one, so, but that's what you could do. You know, the devil, when he was tempting Jesus, he used the Bible to do it. He says, doesn't the Bible say? Jesus comes back with, it is written, it is written, it is written. The whole counsel of God. In the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul says, even if an angel were to come to you and say something different, don't trust it. Even if an angel were to come to you and say, there's been some more revelation. We need to add some things to this book. There's, there's more to know here. We need to take some things away. So don't trust it. Don't believe it. So that's the first test. Does it line up with scripture? Here's the second one. I'm just given a filter so you can test these promptings and impressions. Number two, will it make me more like Christ? In other words, will the thing that I'm feeling, if I follow through with it, will it make me more like Jesus or less like Jesus? And this is God's ultimate purpose for you. This is really, we've talked about this many times. This is the ultimate goal after salvation. Now, don't make it your goal before salvation. Because you can't, you can't do it. You've got you've to meet Christ. Fall in love with him. Follow him. Let, let him accept you into his family before you, can, you have the power or the means to be able to do anything godly. See, he accepts you as you are today. You can come before him. You don't have, salvation is free. It is not earned. But once we're saved, we work out that salvation and regeneration is going to take place. Sanctification is going to take place. What do those words mean? What's happening there? It means that the more I know Christ, the more like Christ I become. The more I know God, the more godly I become. So he's gonna, it's going to work on my attitude and my decision making and all my choices. That we come to a point where we say... I, I'm not who I want to be quite yet, but praise God, I'm not who I was. I'm not anymore. And so that's the hope for all of us, and and that's what the church is supposed to help with. And so that's why we've got the growth track, which we talk about every week. That's why we have small groups, because life change is going to happen in relationships. Uh, so this is why right now we're, we're getting ready for a new semester of small groups and we're hearing from our leaders that want to lead for that semester. So there's still time to tell us if you want to lead one of those and then we'll sign up and that's what growth track and small groups is what Celebrate Recovery is all about, to work those steps and to get into those relationships that regeneration, sanctification can take place that I can know God more and become more godly and have the power to change these things in my life that I desperately want changed. Philippians 2, 5 says, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That I'm gonna bring it in and say, okay, if I do this thing, well, after I've done it, Will I be more or less like Christ? If you say, I still don't even know what to do. Well, praise God, 
Scripture gives us, gives us a list. James wrote down a list in James three sixteen. He says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is like a grid to, to look through on your decision-making. Because James gives us two things that we know it's not from God, and then gives us a, a list of things that we know it is from God. So he starts out and he says, if it, if it has envy and selfish ambition, it's not from God. God does not give selfish ideas. I come up with enough of those on my own, okay? No one needs to give them to me. If you say, I've got, I've got an idea of how to become filthy rich, everybody's going to be jealous and envious of me, I'm going to be king of the heap, I'm going to be top dog, God says, that idea didn't come from me. I, I didn't put you on earth so I could serve your selfish ambition. If I get an idea of how to have revenge on someone, how to retaliate, how to get even, how to get even with that person who hurt me, how to get even with that person who cut me off, how to get even with that person who slided me. God says that idea did not come from me. That's a, James says it's a satanic idea. That I, those ideas do not come from God. And a lot of people are trying to use God to feed their selfish ambition. Now, if you get an idea that is from God, it's going to be one of these things. He says it's first of all pure. So an impure thought's not going to come from God. It's peace-loving. What does that mean? Well, it means that ideas from God are going to promote harmony, not division. God's not going to give you an idea that's going to divide your family, that's going to divide your marriage, that's going to divide your small group or divide a a church. It's going to be peace-loving. Okay, this means all gossip is outside of this. You know, gossip, gossip is satanic. And let me tell you why I can say that. It's because Satan's job is to be the accuser. That's his nickname. He's the accuser, he's the criticizer, he's the condemner of Christians. And when we gossip, the devil steps back and says, thank you very much. I don't have to go to work today. You just did my work for me. Thank you. Keep it up. Gossip is satanic. The next one is considerate. Considerate. So would this idea help me but hurt someone else? Well, then it's not from God. God's not going to give you an idea that's inconsiderate, that's going to help you but hurt your family or hurt your friends. Is it submissive? That means is it teachable? Is it teachable? Do I have this willingness to to bring this idea and lay it before other people and get it checked by someone else. So to submit the idea. So if I have a prompting or a leading or an idea and I'm not willing to go to my wife about it, it's not submissive. There's, so, there's something wrong there. If I've got a, an idea and I'm not willing to go to the other leadership teams or things, it's, if, if you have an idea and you're not willing to talk to your spouse about it, you're not willing to talk to your counselor or your small group about it, It's not submissive because you're not willing to submit the idea. It's also full of mercy. It makes me more forgiving, more gracious. Where you say, God's cut me some slack, I'm going to cut you some slack. This is the dead giveaway of when people who think they've heard from God really haven't. 
because they think they have, but their attitude proves they have not. Because when you hear from God and that causes you to become more critical, more condemning, more judgmental of others, it's not of God. It's proof you have not heard and you're not following God. And so if, if you have an idea or a conviction and it causes you to become more critical, more condemning of, of other families, of other people, of other churches, of other pastors, it's not, it's not from God. Now, it just so happens that all of these people have congregated on the internet and they, they create YouTube channels and social media accounts and blogs and things that don't cost any money or investment to ridicule and criticize and condemn others. And I just want to say, frankly, today, that takes no brains. It takes no maturity to criticize other people, to judge from a distance. What takes maturity, what takes wisdom from heaven is to see the beauty of all things, to encourage other people and to see what God is up to. Lastly, he says it's impartial and sincere. This means you don't use what God tells you to manipulate others. As I was going through this again yesterday, God just stopped me here. And he says, some people at Rockbrook need to be reminded of this today. That if God gives you a dream, God gives you a a, a hope, God gives you a, a vision that you're working toward, you don't have to manipulate to see it happen. You don't have to control things to make it come true. It's God's dream. God gave it to you. So you don't have, so when God gives it to you, you say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? It's your dream. I submit it back to you. And, and it may mean that you've got to roll up your sleeves and get to work. It may mean taking some risks. It may mean things like that, but you'll never have to manipulate to make it come true because God's in control and he's the one who gave it to you. So it, what a wonderful list. Uh, thank you, God, for this list. Thank you, James, for this list. Is it foolproof? It's pretty close. It's pretty close. But we've got uh, other tests. Here's the third one. Does godly counsel agree? Because you're going to be in a situation where people say different things. And I look for agreement. So when we're working on something or planning something, when I'm planning something, I think there's power in agreement. So I look for agreement. I'm not going to trust every spirit. I'm going to test it. Proverbs 21.15. Read this out loud with me. The way of fools seems right to them but the wise listen to advice. The wisest people, and and I just have, I don't deserve it, but I've just got the privilege and honor of being around a lot of wise, godly people. Uh, Our directors, our staff, other pastors, people in this church. And one thing I've learned is that the wisest people are not the ones who know everything. They're the ones who know they don't know everything. And I'll bring a question, I'll ask them a question, and what I often hear from the wisest people is they'll say, well, let me think about that, or let me research that. Or often they'll, they'll ask me a question back, because wise people know there's always a little bit more to the story. There's something behind the question. And wise people are the ones who know they don't know everything. Proverbs 19, 20 through 21 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. So if godly counsel doesn't agree, and it doesn't turn out to be from God, of God, just accept it. Accept the discipline, and at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. When I listen to godly counsel, I just feel wiser. I, I left an appointment this week with a guy, and I was just 
asking a lot of questions and getting his take on a lot of things. And I just left. I got in the car and I'm, I'm wiser today. Like, that was good. I'm smarter today than I, than I would have been. Like, that was smart. That was wise. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but the, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 24, 6, surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. Now, this isn't, this is not suggesting going person to person until you get the report that you want, right? Like, I don't like what mom told me, so I'm going to go to dad. I don't like what this supervisor told me, so I'll go to this supervisor over here. I don't like what this counselor said, so I'm going to change counselors. I don't like what this small group's telling me, so come on, I need to get in a different group that'll tell me what I want to hear. No, 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 that's not the type of advising it's talking about. It's like the guy who, he's on his way to work, and he said, Lord, if it be thy will for me to stop and get a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, the hot light will already be on when I drive by. This is just some guy, it's not me, it's just some guy. And he drives by and the hot light is not on. So he does another lap and lo and behold, the hot light's on. And we do that with God sometimes. We'll say, well, I'm just gonna take another lap. I'm just gonna, I'll just go, it was no the first time, but I'm just gonna go around again and see if the hot light's on this time. And just accept the discipline, bring the test. I'm just bringing you the tests. I'm just bringing you the filters. By the way, these are four filters I go through before I preach and give you a word. I ask, does it line up with the Bible? It, is it, if, if I preach this, will it make the people of Rockbrook Church more like Jesus or less like Jesus? I ask, does godly counsel agree? So I, I look, do, do other preachers that adhere to the Bible, do they say the same thing? I'll tell you, if, if I'm studying for a message and I come up with an idea that no one's ever said before, I stop. I stop. Because what's true isn't new. I'm looking for agreement. My goal isn't to bring you something you've never heard before. My goal is to bring you the truth so we can follow Jesus. And then I ask, what's, this, what's the fourth one? Here's the last one. Do I have peace? Do I have peace? You know what's so unique about Christianity? We don't just worship an external God. We have God in us. By way of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us. That's a powerful thing. And of course, you've, you've felt this before. That you have God's Spirit leading you one way and your flesh and the world leading you another. And they, they war against each other and they fight against each other. You, you felt it. I mean, it's like, it's like the angel on one side and the demon on the other. You know what? That's, that's a cartoon, silly version of actual, that's reality. That you have, you have your spirit having one desire, your flesh having another desire, and they, they war against each other. They disagree. They disagree. But how does God talk? Peace. Peace. Jesus said it's a peace that the world cannot give. It's incapable of giving it. Like there's no event, there's no change that's going to happen that's going to bring it. There's no carrot on a stick in the distance that's going to bring the peace. It's not in a bottle, it's not in a pill. Jesus said the world cannot give it. It comes from God. 1 Corinthians 14.33 for God is not the author of confusion, 
but of peace. And some of the biggest decisions in my life, you've made them too, you know, who to marry, where to live, pastoring this church, what, what kind of job or career to have. They weren't without risks. So peace doesn't mean that there's no risk. Peace doesn't mean that there's no hard work about it. But at the end of the day, I've got peace with God about it. And peace is an inner state regardless of what's happening on the inside. That, or regardless of what's happening on the outside. That I, all these things could be happening on the outside. But on the inside, I've got peace about it. And there's a difference between having peace and justifying something. That if peace is an inner state, justifying is a legal argument. That I, I don't really have peace about it, but here's the, all the lists, here's all the reasons that are good enough that I should follow through with this. Here's all the reasons. Like you can justify just about anything. That you know you don't have peace, but here's all the reasons I'm gonna buy this anyway. Here's all the reasons I'm going to go do this anyway. Here's all the reasons why it's okay for me. But when all that settles down and the pro-cons list is put aside and all of that gets quiet, do you have peace with God about it? How does God talk? Peace. How do we do this? Philippians 4 says... Don't be anxious. So when you're in the middle of this, of this thing, of making that decision, don't be anxious about it. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, so bring it before God. Say, God, what are you saying to me about this? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, that word means human reasoning, it means it transcends all the pro-cons lists. It transcends all the justifying I'm going to do it. It transcends all of this other reasoning that I'm trying to bring into it. And, and, and at the end of the day, it will guard, circle that word guard. I love that word. That word, it means that it's like a garrison. It's like a, an army surrounding your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You've experienced this before too. If you've given your life to Christ, you knew in those moments that you didn't understand it all. You knew you didn't understand everything about God and, and what Jesus did. You knew that some people weren't gonna be happy about it in your life. You knew it was gonna mean some changes that were radical that, that maybe you weren't ready to make, but you had, you had this peace of God like a garrison, like an army around your heart and mind that said, I'm going to go through with this. I'm going to trust Christ. And I want you to live that way. I want you to live in a way that God's peace is guarding your heart and your mind. I have one last thought, uh, just as we move into the final 21 days of prayer and fasting. So one more week, let's finish strong. If you haven't joined us for a prayer service or taken a time out during the day or grabbed some of the resources, you can do that today and just onboard with us now and, and jump in. Now obviously, this series is called Frequency. Like we're trying to tune into a frequency. We're trying to tune into God and tune out other things. But that word has a double meaning. So frequency, like I do it frequently. And, and I want to frequency with frequency. 
Like, I want to do it frequent. Is this too cute or are you with me? Like, I want a frequency with some, like, with some frequency. How do, how do you do that? Well, I just want to give you some steps here. First one is tune in to God every day. So the goal of, of reading your Bible and of praying, that's not to check a box to say, I read my Bible and prayed today and now God's happier with me. No. Like, the goal, was to, the goal of getting in the Word was to get to the Word, Jesus it's the goal is to tune in to him and to know his nature and his presence. John 10, 4, here's our theme verse again, but just in another translation. Maybe some different words will hit you in a different way today. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they're familiar with his voice. That's the goal. How do you become familiar with a voice? So my wife could call your cell phone right now. And, and you'd answer, and she could say, hey. And you'd say, who's this? But my wife could call me from a number I don't recognize and give me three little letters. She could say, hey. And I'd say, what's up, babe? I know who this is. Because I know the voice. I'm familiar with the voice. Are you familiar with God's voice? I'll tell you, I don't have any better ears than anybody else when it comes to hearing God's voice. Okay, pastors don't have any... The people who are familiar with God's voice are the, the people who come to know it. They, they spend time with it. I'm just on the dream team like everybody else serving this church. And you can become familiar with God's voice through perseverance, spending some time with God to where you become familiar with it. So you tune in. And secondly, you tune out. Tune out things that oppose God. That you have to sh- actively shut down the voices that oppose God. And every one of us have to grapple with how much of the secular we're going to let into our life. How much of the things that oppose God, the things of the world that we're going to let into our life. I'll ask it this way. What doesn't bother you that should? I was talking with someone not too long ago, and they said, well, drunkenness just doesn't bother me. And people will say that. They'll say, well, nudity just doesn't bother me. That's the problem. Like, you think that's a plus. That's a negative. The problem is it doesn't bother you anymore. So what doesn't bother you that should? John 10, 5, they they won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. I want this in my life. I want to come to the place where I've gotten away from some of those voices that oppose God, to they're not even familiar to me anymore. They're not even attractive to me anymore. That's just a stranger's voice, and I scatter at the sound of it. I want that in my life. I want to tune into God. I want to tune out the things that oppose God. Everybody say that. Say tune in. Tune in. Say tune out. Tune out. And say take steps. take steps. That's the third one. Take steps toward what God has spoken. Why would God keep talking to you if you didn't do what he told you to do before? Take the step. Look at this in verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they what? They follow me. That's what makes, the, that, that's what makes them his sheep. So uh, the sheep could just hear the, anyone can hear the voice, but do you follow it? Do you go with the other sheep and follow the shepherd? Anybody can hear the voice. He says, my sheep, they follow me. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, I want to know you.
God, I want, I want to know what you want me to do with my life. And God, I don't understand it all. I'm not the smartest person. I don't get it all. But you said that there's a peace that passes understanding out there. You say that you made me, that you forgive me, that you have victory over the accuser and the condemner in my life. And God, I just ask you to show me the things in my life that are keeping me from hearing from you. I want to confess them. I want to move on from them. If, you, if you've never trusted God before, if you've never opened up your life to him before, would you just ask him right now, say, God, would you accept me into your family? God, you say that you love me. I'm asking you to love me today. God, my life's out of control. I'm asking for your peace today. I need a peace to guard my heart and my mind. If you have, if you have opened up your life, life to Christ already, just say, God, I want to hear you. And in advance, I don't know what's going to happen this week. God, you do. And in advance, God, I'm saying, I want to follow you. But I need your help to do it. God, thank you for these four tests. Thank you for these filters. Help me to not just throw them away today and throw them off but to use them because, God, I need you. I desperately need you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.